Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Lion Trust Multi Asset Podcast. I'm James Smith, and as ever, with me is our head of multi asset, John Hustleby. Hi there again, John. Hello there. As we didn't receive too many complaints about the uh, the excessive Tottenham related content in our first podcast a couple of weeks ago, we'll be continuing with the uh, the loose football and, and fund management theme that we started then. Uh, John's obviously uh, happy to be talking about football at the moment while uh, Spurs are still in the Champions League. By the time we record another one of these in a few weeks, he, he may not be uh, so keen to, to be ca- talking about football. James, but, that is so cruel. Um, we're obviously getting to the, the end of the football season, which is a, a period of, of manager change at lots of clubs around the world. And that, that issue of manager change uh, is, a, is also a big one for a fund selector, John. Um, you've, you've got um, lots of underlying funds and managing your portfolios. Could, could you give us an insight into how you approach things when, when a manager changes on a portfolio, whether they retire or they leave to go to another company? What, what's, your, what's your thought process when, uh, when you hear a, a manager changes happening on one of your funds? Yeah, well, as you know, our starting point is very much from the top down, strategic and tactical allocation. Then we look to implement our target portfolios. So, um, uh, and when doing so, uh, we're very much a believers in diversification, diversification of investment style. And for us, that means value versus growth, large cap versus small cap. So we need to allocate our managers into those broad sort of uh, camps of value and growth and small cap and large cap. So for us, we're looking for consistency of style and consistency of, uh, of process in, in that way. As you know, I always say that when it comes to the investment proposition or indeed to our investment process, we're looking for three things. We're looking for suitability, transparency and uh, value. And, and of course, that means uh, value for money in, in that respect. So if a manager leaves uh, or a manager retires, then you know the challenge we have is to make sure that that fund that we've chosen in that particular slot, either a growth with a, with a bias perhaps towards large cap or value towards small cap, Obviously, clearly, we want to maintain that process and style. So basically, it will mean uh, analysing either the new incumbent manager or, you know, uh, perhaps in the case of uh, um, uh, a manager retiring, it could be the existing team to make sure that we're going to get that consistency of, of style and approach. Uh, focusing on that, uh, that consistency of process idea for a moment, and uh, again getting another Spurs reference. I think most people will have seen in the news the story about Harry Kane wanting to potentially uh, go into the NFL when he when he retires from football in, in, in maybe 10 years or so and become a kicker. Um, we've seen some quite high-profile examples of fund managers perhaps changing approach or, or even changing market over the years. Anthony Bolton is perhaps the highest-profile example. He had a long, long career looking at UK equities and in the perhaps the latter days of his career, he moved into China. Uh, it didn't go too well. What, what's, what's, what's your feeling there? I mean, are, are you more are you most comfortable with managers that kind of stay stay with what they know almost? Yeah, I do, I do believe that. And by the way, if you want Harry Kane's NFL shirt, they're selling it in the new Tottenham shop for 120 pounds. They'll take after uh, off you for for the new shirt. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Harry Kane's a good example. But I think the the, the bigger example, isn't it, is uh, is uh, Michael Jordan, the the famous basketball player who uh, obviously for many years played at the Chicago Bears basketball, and then one year decided that he'll give uh, uh, baseball a, a bit Ch- of a go. Chicago Bulls. Bulls. I think. Oh yes, I got that wrong, <laughs> didn't I? 
so uh, yeah, he's decided that he'll give baseball a bit of a go. I'm, I'm not the biggest uh, basketball fan, as you've just worked out. <laughs> so uh, he decided to give that a go, and he he wasn't that successful. I think it's fair to say, and I think that's the same with fund management as well. I think that uh, most managers tend to have a style and process which will work for a particular market, a particular market sector. So yes, so when a manager is leaving. Uh, and a new manager is coming in, clearly we want to see that consistency in style and approach and it applies to the market they've been, they've been managing. Okay, great. Uh, let, let's look at okay, uh, a couple of specific examples then of, uh, of, of managers where managers are leaving. Um, again, uh, I'm sure people who, who follow investment news will have seen uh, that Alexander Darwell at Jupiter is going to be stepping down from the, the group's uh, very popular Jupiter European fund after a long time at the helm. That's a long-term holding in your portfolios, John. Uh, it's obviously very early days in the process, and, and Darwell is staying at Jupiter. But could you give us an idea of, I guess, how, how, how you're feeling about that, what, how, how you're starting to analyse things and, and the approach you're taking when, a, like I say, a manager of a long-term holding in your portfolio, you've got the news that he's not going to be there for, for too much longer? Yeah, I think first things first is you don't need to panic. Um, you know, he's still remaining at the helm of that fund, until the the manager coming across from Threadneedle, Mark Nichols comes across. Uh, I think it's probably in the summertime or so, but well, not that I'm, I'm too aware at this stage of, of a starting date. So I don't think you have to, there's no panic in moving. Uh, however, clearly um, that is a case where we have a new manager now coming from a different company, perhaps with you know the same broad style and approach uh, but we're going to have to be get comfortable if we're going to continue to maintain that fund. We're going to have to get comfortable that he retains that sort of you know growth style uh, that uh, has been very much evident within that fund and the reason for holding that fund. We hold it alongside uh, the J.O. Hambro fund, which uh, is run by Paul Wilde, which has a, a more of a value tilt. Uh, those two funds blend quite well together. You know, typically what we're doing uh, when we're um, uh, visiting managers is getting to know not only the lead fund manager, but, uh, uh, you know, the supporting managers, assistant managers and analysts uh, together as well. And, you know, you and I, we had a meeting earlier in the year uh, with one of uh, uh, Alexander Darwell's uh, colleagues on on that fund to get that sort of sort of insight. So I, I suppose I was a little bit surprised that, you know, that uh, they are recruiting from outside, but that's what, what they've chose to do. And Mark Nichols comes uh, with uh, a good reputation, not only from Threadneedle, but from from FNC before that book before that as well however you know it's at times like this where uh, as I said we don't need to panic but we do need to basically look at our subs bench uh, you know we need to look at funds which you know we look and um, monitor that Jupiter fund against so other funds which perhaps could fit in that criteria of growth so things like um, the BlackRock uh, European Dynamic Fund Alex De, uh, Hibbert uh, Richard Pease perhaps at Crux uh, Rory Powell is a, a good candidate as well. Rory's at uh, MAM GLG running that continental European fund. Rory's a manager that I have held in the past uh, back in his uh, Invesco days. Um, and then finally, you've, you, you can also look at um, Threadneedle itself and that European select fund where Mark Nichols comes. He's the co-manager of that fund along with David Dudding who uh, um, basically, you know, uh, once again has many years experience. So we will be looking not only uh, at uh, uh, the uh, the change of manager at Jupiter, but we'll also be looking and reviewing that subsbench as well. 
but all the time, as I said, making sure that uh, we tick the box on suitability uh, and then uh, tick the box on transparency as well uh, and uh, making sure we're getting value for money. Okay, great. Um, keeping on the, the subs bench for a moment, I guess it's important to stress that um, you, you'd have it for uh, all of your holdings, but you don't necessarily always see the need to use it. And a, and a, and a recent example there was with Nigel Thomas, who retired after a long long spell at the helm of the AXA UK Select Opportunities Fund I know I know um, from talking to you you were you were very positive about how AXA managed the process I mean his 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 retirement was announced a long time ago his uh, his replacement was very clear could could you talk through kind of what you, you've decided to retain that portfolio that, that fund in the portfolios could you talk through why you've you've decided to um to stick stick with a successor and and perhaps as i say why you felt they actually did a good job of managing that replacement process whereas perhaps other groups in the past haven't done such a good job yeah i i think i think you're right i mean we wrote about this as 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 well um so you know very happy to put out comments on the record in in that respect and you know sticking with the axa uh, uk opportunities fund uh, and sticking with basically chris Injun, who's taken over the fund wasn't a, a light decision it was a decision where lucky enough we had ourselves quite a considerable period of time in order to to basically uh, analyze that and also look at a, a bench in that respect as well so you know I think where AXA really did score points uh, with us and indeed I think the other sort of uh, fund selectors and uh, discretionary managers out there was the time given that you know they put on notice very very early that uh, uh, Nigel was uh, looking to retire and they made it very very clear what that succession plan was uh, and how it would move over I think their communication was extremely good and I think that fits in terms of that transparency box that we're looking for and it's became very clear in terms of you know over the last year or so that um, in terms terms of style and approach you know uh, you know we felt that we were going to get exactly the same and you know you never really want to do turnover for this just for the sake of that uh, and, and as such sticking with the fund obviously you know keeps uh, keeps the cost uh, lower down as well which is which is good news I think really though you know um, the backing of Chris Sinjin uh, you know came uh, very strongly from Nigel himself who you know I believe is you know keeping a considerable amount of his pension fund assets in the fund so you can get no better sort of uh, backing than, than that in terms of credibility for uh, for Chris okay great and that's all we've got time for today John so thanks very much for your time and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back again uh, we're back again in a few weeks talking about more aspects of, of multi-asset thanks very much <laughs>